They're continuing to load in well here for this big Group 1 event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late, it's English a half length in front, can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying, yes! And excellent, but McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go, excellent runs to second, Otazun runs on, but a champion becomes a legend, McCarty Diva has won it! G'day punters and welcome to another big episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast, episode 7. Joined again by myself, Lewis Willoughby, and as always, Dean Watling, uh, who, let's be honest, is in outstanding form at the moment for the Barrier Attendant. Another big episode coming up this week. We're just going to have some uh, general yarn about a few things going on in racing throughout the week and some big races coming up, uh, such as the Everest, if that gives you a hint as to what we're talking about. There's also a massive four Group 1 races Uh, Coming up this weekend around the country, three at Randwick and uh, one at Flemington. So it should be a really big weekend of racing. Uh, We're going to go through all group ones on this weekend with a quick preview, plus obviously our tips from Randwick and Flemington as usual, wrapping up with the Get Out Stakes and the $100 Group 1 Challenge brought to you by PlayUp. Now, Dean, before uh, I go any further, as per usual, let's have a little chat about our beer. Uh, you've got a really good one going on here this weekend, uh, this week. What, what's what's in your hand? Yeah, I've got to give Dave Stanley a bit of a mention. Um, he's probably Australia's biggest um, ambassador for this beer. It's a Russia uh, Pilsner. Uh, I was having a gaze through the fridge today uh, at the bottle shop and saw this little silver bullet staring at me, so I grabbed one of them. Uh, nice beer, could drink it every day. Um, have to give it a tick of approval. Uh, what are you drinking this week, mate? I've... Uh... I've brought it back home again. I'm sticking with the the local produce, and I've 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 picked one here that uh, should give us inspiration as a podcast. It's it's a beer uh, famously by one of the best podcasts we've got in Australia. One of the funniest two blokes that I can think of off the top of my head that run it. Uh, I've gone for the Batuta Bitter. Obviously, claims of the Batuta Advocate. Uh, far Western Queensland's favourite beer, as it says on the can. Really good drop. I've had it on tap a few times. Uh, down Coogee Bay, the local, they used to have it. It's a really good beer, 1.4 standards. Comes in a nice little silver bullet tin like yours does as well and hopefully gives us a bit of inspiration for the pod uh, coming off the, the the goats that run this pod as well. So, yeah, a little bit too to bitter going on this weekend. Goes down very nice. Now, last weekend's results, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm running a broken record here, mate. I've got to introduce you again by saying that you've had another cracking week on the punt. You are... Uh, Tipped up Wild Ruler for us. Obviously, Marbusha was the two-bet play who got scratched, so you were left with Wild Ruler, the whole kitty on, and it duly saluted. Uh, how did you find the racing last weekend? Yeah, it was a great day's racing. I was actually out there on Rose at Rose Hill on course. It was a great day there. I um, haven't been out on course for a fair while. There's plenty of COVID rules, but... Nonetheless, it was a cracking day out there. Uh, I thought the track played outstanding. Um, tough early, but finished out the day very well. And like you said, Wild Ruler was a, 
Uh, very nice win. Um, nice to get one nice and early through the week and um, salute on, on Saturday. Mars Crusader was probably the biggest disappointment of the day. Could have been a huge day if um, Mars got up in the last, but very, very disappointed. So the query is definitely out. Um, I actually have found most of my winners down in Melbourne last uh Last week too, so I had a nice day down there. I thought the racing was it was outstanding. Track de- deteriorated a little bit. How did you find it down there, mate? Yeah, look, uh, uh, a bit hard as always. I had I had Brooklyn Hustle numbers a bit, but it went to the Moyer on Friday and run well. And then my second bet was I think was Nonconformist in the last, um, who I thought was just a touch below average. Big Group One win from Russian Camelot. Um, no surprise that I'm a massive fan of the horse, and I thought it was about time that it, it, it you know, I'm not about time, but it, it was it was due for that kind of big performance to stamp itself um, as one of the main contenders for the big group ones coming up. Just back on Master Crusader quickly, they came out early this week after the failure on Saturday and said that I think Rupert Lee, the owner, came out and said it was going to the spelling paddock. Um, what what do you make it? What do you make of it now? So three, I think it was three runs this prep all kind of either promising or below par and then really average on Saturday. Where do you go from here, do you think? Uh, I think you always got to um, take sort of step back when you look at horses like that and just look at his prep, for instance. I think first up on a heavy 10 bottomless track, um, we probably didn't know the full extent of what that took out of the horse. Then he had that weird period where he had the boil, probably had two or three weeks off that he probably didn't need, missed a couple of runs, um, then had that awkward run where he sort of sat wide uh, throughout on a hot tempo. That, again, could have taken out of him, and then he was just very flat there uh, Saturday. So I think um, when you look at horses like that who have that interrupted prep, not the ideal prep, you can always be forgiving of that. I'd love to see him with a much more um, normal prep, if you could say, where he sort of sticks to his plans, hits his targets, and um, hits the races that he wants. But... Yeah, Query's still definitely out. I backed him uh, three of the three starts this prep, so uh, I'm not sure if I'll, he'll get my money. What, what was your take on it? Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I was keen on him like you were um, and thought off the run he had, he was every chance to win in the and, and during the race, um, but you're probably 100% right. He was just flat by that point of the prep. Will he get to the heights I think that people were touting him for? Now, no, I'd say no. I think if you're a very good horse, even if you've had a bit of an interrupted prep uh, and some things haven't gone right, you're you're able to still pull it together and come out with a win. I think for him to pull up flat that day and just you know go out to spell, it just doesn't scream top line horse for me anymore. Um, which is disappointing because you know that there are glimpses of it of it in there somewhere uh, that he can pull out. But we'll we'll have to see what happened. Quickly back to the Moya. Huge win by Pippi, first out, first home. Um, some serious sustained speed in that race. Brooklyn Hustle was good. Bella Vella was honest as always. Um, really good race. And this week as well, there's been a few things shaping up in the Everest, which is going to be the first thing we'll talk about. There's only two slots left now uh, in Australia's biggest sprint race. The Everest deals have been done this week with uh, Santa Ana Lane, was picked up. Eduardo has been picked up after the injury of Rothfire. So Eduardo gets the ride and great to see Rachel King get the booking on that ride as well, fresh off the uh, podcast debut last week. Did we have a hand in the deal, punters? I'm not going to say anything. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. That's up to you to decide. 
Um, and also trekking has been picked up in the Everest as well. So that leaves only two slots left uh, for Waller and James Harron. Uh, what did you think of the three horses that got picked up this week? Um, yeah, I thought they were probably the obvious choices. Uh, Santa Ana Lane, probably a forgotten horse for mine, and finished second in last year's Everest, and probably uh, wins if he draws not uh, on the inside there. Um, Eduardo, I think it was a very sneaky run uh, last start in the uh, come through that seek legend race, sat on speed. I think he was wide throughout as well, kept kicking, um, held on well. So, you know what you're going to get with a horse like Eduardo. So, I think it's not a bad choice. Um, probably wouldn't be my. Uh, obvious choice and probably a lot of punters obvious choice because you sort of know what you're going to get with him um you know sort of where his ceiling is there's no real um x factor about him if you could say but um i think they were two probably obvious choices um is that how you sort of read them yeah i think so as well i really like the booking of trekking um i can understand why godolphin took bivouac for their slot um, but I, I thought trekking was equally as deserving as of a slot, and I'm really glad that Max Whitby picked him up. Huge run, as we've said before in the podcast last year, coming off a week's break, Melbourne straight to Sydney to run third. I thought it was a great run, uh, and I don't think that trekking's taken a backward step. Um, yeah, look, Eduardo, you're 100% right in the in the sense that there is no X factor. What you see is what you get. Um I, I think Eduardo would have to pull out a, a dead set career highest rating um, or, or run to win this race, which is not completely out of the question. But, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be going around as definitely the one of the outsiders. Um, and Santa Ana Lane, that's, that's, the, that's the tricky one. You're 100% right. If he probably draws a barrier last year, he wins. He's now eight years old. Um, he's had three jump outs leading in. He's racing this Saturday at Flemington. He's had three jump outs leading in, um, and they've been good. I wouldn't say that they've been eye-catching Everest style, but they've been good for him. Um, but obviously it's it's impossible to write off um, a, a champion like that, you know, and you can't say that he's going to come this year and not do anything. So with these two slots left, James Harron and, and, and Chris Waller's slots, who else – who else are we talking about that A, would, would get them and then B, be a, a complete winning chance in the race? Yeah, I think we'll probably see this weekend in that uh, Premier Stakes at Randwick. Uh, you've got horses like Libertini coming off some nice trials. I think um, disappointing last prep but pulled up with issues. Um, I think she's come back a lot better this prep. Probably a lot more mature. Standout's another one. I thought he was outstanding last start. Got way too far back in that um, classic legend race, but was able to reel off some nice sneaky sectionals. They're probably the two standouts for me. The only uh, issue with standout is the wet track. You sort of don't want to be taking him too early, and then uh, we get showers or something in Sydney because you can pretty much pen him uh, on a wet track. Deprive comes through that race as well on Saturday. I just don't like his trials at all leading to this press. I'm not sure where that horse is at all. So I'm sort of tossing up between standout Libertini and the other two would be Ole Kirk and North Pacific. I think we'll see another um, three-year-old get picked up and you could probably add Anders to that conversation as well. So I probably think there's around five or six possible chances. You've got probably two proven um, sprinters in Libertini and Standout, and then the three uh, three year olds with North Pacific, Ole Kirk and Anders. Outside of that, I can't really see much else. Is that is that how you're looking at it? 
Yeah, so North Pacific and Anders are both $16 a piece in the market with play up at the moment. They, I think, would be the most likely three-year-olds. No knock on Ole Kirk, who wouldn't be far behind them, but I'd say uh, they're the ones you would be choosing. There was chat going around about Hortbury on her for Waller's slot, possibly. Um, obviously, has come back very well, this prep, but again, it's just one that you put in this list against Classique Legend, against Geetra, Nature Strip, and Behemoth, etc., and go, well, is Hortbury on her at that level? Um, probably not. So, yeah, there was a bit of chat around for that. Uh, and But, yeah, I, I look, I, I can't see it being to that level. I think Anders and North Pacific are probably those likely ones. Standout, no knock either. Um, but I just – I would love to see another three-year-old get in because I just feel like if anything's going to kind of not so much cause an upset but just lob and beat a seasoned – Nature Strip or, or a seasoned classic legend, it might be one of those kind of untapped um, three-year-olds. But it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens after this weekend. I'd say those two slots will be snapped up by by midweek next week after this weekend. I can't see them waiting any longer because um, you need to, you know, kind of set it on that prep and, and really get it going. So it'll be an interesting weekend and we'll see what happens after that. Some other quick news uh, down in Melbourne. It's come out this weekend uh, or this week, should I say, that the VRC's shaping to get some crowds back uh, for the spring, which is obviously really pleasing. Um, it seems to be working down in Melbourne at the moment with those restrictions and they're getting less cases. So I think the goal they said this week was 10,000 patrons on course for the Melbourne Cup as they start to lift restrictions. How, how important do you think it is for them to push to have a crowd back at some big races this spring for the, for the sport in general as well? Yeah, well, it's an entertainment industry before it's probably a sport at the end of the day. So I think crowds are um, key in that sense. I think it adds to the atmosphere of the race day. Even on TV, when you can sort of hear the, the grandstand roar, or like a lot of people say, the grandstand's um, knocking, it just adds every sort of inch of um, atmosphere to that event. Even on Saturday, uh, when the three-year-olds in the Golden Rose hit the top of the straight, um, there might have been probably 10,000 max there at Rose Hill, but it just added a little bit of theatre to the races. So I think it's absolutely outstanding that they're pushing for that, and I really hope that uh, 10,000 people get there for that event um, and make it probably make the event. Um, but, yeah, I think crowds, it, it's probably nice up in Sydney that we can go to the races, but I think the lucky people that do go, if they get cleared, um, it's probably as good as winning in a Melbourne Cup down there. Yeah, and how did you find it out there on Saturday? I know it's a bit hard to compare uh, Sydney to Melbourne races restrictions at the moment, but obviously you went out to Rose Hill uh, and for the first time in, in a COVID situation. And ob- obviously it wasn't normal, but how did how did you find it and how did you see it out there? No, I thought it was great. Um, you probably, obviously because it's limited crowd, you sort of get quick drink lines, quick uh, lines to place your bets. Bookies are always available. Uh, the rules I had in place was no drinks allowed on the grandstand. That was probably the one bummer for me. Um, you're only allowed on the grandstand when the races, when the horses are in the yard and once the race is finished, you got sort of ushered back inside. But other than that, it was nice. You were inside um, watching Caulfield, watching the other bets anyway. And then as soon as the sort of Rose Hill race come on, you jumped outside, watched the mounting yard, watched the whole previews and watched the race. So, no, it was perfect. I would hundred percent go back um, any day of the week for something like that. And it probably wasn't too bad that there wasn't um, absolutely packed there. Like the drink lines, like I said, were fine. You could put your bets on. You could have fun with your mates. Um, 
and there was still a reasonable number of people. Nah, I thought it was great. I think as soon as they lift the ability as well to be able to walk around again, even if they keep a cap on numbers, it's just that ability to, to be able to roam around that really makes a date. The races, I think, in the end, to be able to go from the mounting yard up to the fence into the stand and, and everywhere in between, I think, is, is what really makes it. So as soon as that kind of come back, even if there is a limit on numbers, I think it'll really improve the day as well. But hopefully, um, for the sake of the spring carnival and, and the racing carnival down in Melbourne, if they can get 10,000 at the Melbourne Cup, um, I think it's well-deserved. They've had it pretty tough down there and, and racing still continued on throughout the whole situation. It's never stopped. So they definitely deserve something like that to look forward to uh, on, on Cup Day. Now, some other quick news to get to before we jump into our Group 1 previews, and it's a kind of a good segue. Um, obviously, these big races with the capacity fields gives a good chance for some lightweight, and I'm talking lightweight, lightweight jockeys, to get these big Group 1 rides. So there's a few that I've seen on, on the Sydney card um, that might be having their first cracks or you know only a few cracks previously at a Group 1. Uh, Louise Day gets a crack at a Group 1 on Azuro in the Metrop. Uh, Jess Taylor has two rides. Looks like Elvis in the Epsom and another one in the Metrop as well. Alicia Collett, uh, who's an ex-New Zealand rider, has only been over here riding for Waller in the Provincials for a while, gets a ride on Savakul and Norway um, in the Epsom and the Metrop. And then Brock Ryan as well picks up the ride on Glenall on the Metrop. Now, all these rides are down at like, you know, your 50s, 51s, 52s, uh, well below us, Dino, unfortunately. But I think it's great to see these uh, young young riders or, or light riders get a chance in these big races, especially with um, some good horses as well. Looks like Elvis, he might be a big price, but I don't think he's out of the race at all. No, you're right for sure. Um, <clears throat> ran very well. Their last start's probably in career best form. Uh, last two starts have been outstanding. Had no luck two starts ago. So, no, it's always great. It, it adds to that picture, um, with, especially these big fields, group ones. Um it probably shows how hard it is to win one of these group ones. You've got all these different weights, probably the jockey that you want on your horse. If you do get a lightweight, can't ride because of the the weight. Um, then if you do have a good horse with a good weight, you sort of history says um, you sort of don't want that weight. So no, I reckon it adds to the theatre. And like we saw in the autumn with um, James Innes Jr. winning on Natoya. You know, I can remember that footage. I'm not sure if you saw the video. It was when there was no crowds or any noise at all. And as soon as they went past the post, every single jockey in that field was screaming out, oh, well done, Jimmy, Jimmy, outstanding, mate. It just shows you that they actually do have a good relationship between all the jockeys. So, no, I reckon it's outstanding. And I think um, if one of them was to get up, I don't think um, anyone would be too upset. I think they'd all be stoked for him. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Louise Day... For example, he's, he's riding in very good form, as we know, and really making a name for herself as being uh, competitive at this at this top level in Sydney at the Metros. Uh, Jess Taylor's another good one. The one uh, she's got two rides. She's just come back from injury from um, a broken back, I'm pretty sure it was, that she sustained on her property. Um, so to be back so quickly and now get two good rides in a group one, it's just... It shows you as well how the, the the life of a jockey, as we learnt last week, it just ebbs and flows and works in roundabouts. You can go from not riding and, and thinking you're in big trouble to now getting two chances in a Group One. So, yeah, really exciting for these for these young jockeys and and, and for these lightweight jockeys to get a big chance. Talking of Randwick, mate, 
Uh, one of the one of the great days of the year out at Ramwick. Three Group One races. It doesn't get much bigger than that. We're going to move into your preview now. So we're looking at a good four at the moment, but could be on the side of a good three. There's not much rain around at all. It's pretty hot and sunny. The rail's out three meters. Um, how have you found the meeting? You were telling me when uh, when we were off air that it's a bit of a tricky one. So what what are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely be dry there Saturday. Um, I reckon we'll probably get an upgrade throughout the day uh, to a good three. So you definitely want to be a dry tracker. Um, yeah, I found a very, very hard meeting, to be honest. I think it's probably the hardest meeting of the spring so far. Um, we're talking about there's a lot of horses that are short price favourites and they're probably the horses you want to be on, but they're very, very short in the market. They're probably too short to back. So then you sort of go into the mindset of trying to find something to beat the horse you want to um, be on. I think that can be a little bit tricky. Um, I did find two bets throughout the day that I was keen to back. Um, and obviously a lot can change between now and uh, Saturday with prices. Um, they fluctuate um, extremely. On, on race day, they can. So um, there could be a few more bets come to air sort of that five-minute period before races. But um, now I've come up with two bets I'm keen to play. So overall, it looks like a cracking meeting. Yeah, beautiful. Keep your ear to the ground, uh, barrier attendant members. There might be some late mail incoming. Now, let's start with your first bet on the program, and it actually, um, well enough, comes up in the first group one. It's the Darley Flight Stakes Race 5. Uh, it's only a small field of seven, but as per usual with these small fields in these big races, it's a, it's a cracking field that they've assembled. So talk us through your bet in the Flight Stakes. Yeah, uh, I was on Dane Gazelle first two starts this prep. I jumped off last start and jumped on Hungry Heart. Uh, looking back on that race, uh, I think Hungry Heart should have won. Got kept in that pocket um, a stride or two long by Nash on the outside. And she J-Mac had to get going uh, a little early on her, uh, build it into the race. Uh, and then she had to sort of bump off uh, Nash. And then once she got clear, she motored home uh, very well. By the time this all happened, Dame Gazelle had a, the gun run uh, 1-1 and Tommy Berry uh, said go at 200 and she kicked clear. So um, yeah, going off that, I have to be hungry heart there Saturday uh, up to the 1,600 metres and finally uh, gets a nice um, sort of run in transit here. She should sit the 1-1 and had every possible chance. The one factor between these two horses that we haven't seen this prep is Hungry Heart uh, with clear air for, say, that 600 to 400 metres um, home. So I think over a distance like that with clear running, clear air, uh, she'll be able to get over the top of Dame Gazelle in the flight stakes. Um, she's around that $2.30 price at the moment. I expect her to start a lot shorter than that. I think she'll get into around that $2 mark um, before the kick. But Hungry Heart definitely um, barrier four, J-Mac, Chris Waller, Third up, 1,600 metres, can't go against her. Yeah, looks a perfect situation. $2.40 as we talk now Thursday night on play up for Hungry Heart, two forty five. Dame Giselle. Uh, the only other one in single figures at the moment is Montefilia at eight fifty. Now, usually we reserve our Group 1 challenge for the end, but because we've got a few Group 1 challenges to get through, we'll go through them at the end of each preview. So are you having the whole 100 on Hungry Heart here? Yeah, 100 on Hungry Heart. Yeah, and so am I, 100 on Hungry Heart. For every reason that Dean said, I think that mile especially is the biggest tick for mine. So both of the Clarks on Hungry Heart for a hungie. 
Now, moving on to your second bet. Comes up in the lucky last race of the day at Randwick. Moving on to race number nine. And you've gone for it a Godolphin Galloper. Yeah, they both look great chances, the two Godolphin horses. But I've lent uh, the way of Hilo. Um, cracking first up run. Um, probably doesn't go um, as good first up over that 1,100 metres trip. But that turn of foot at, say, the two 300 mark once... Um, once she uh, he got clear, sorry, um, was outstanding. Really caught my eye. and Sort of got tired late over that last uh, twenty meters, you could say, uh, where if you choose, um, flashed home with Rachel King aboard and got the nose down. I think that's the form line I want to be carrying into this. Um, Mask Crusader comes through that race too. Obviously disappointing on Saturday, but uh, that's the right form for this race. Um, One point three at twelve hundred meters. Barry 9 is the slight query, but last 600 was 33.25, which is a 30, uh, sorry, the third fastest of the day there um, last start. Uh, the horses that ran the second fastest was a horse called Subpoenaed, who's come out and won since. Uh, so that's a nice form I want to follow. Like I said, the barrier is a slight query from 9. I'm hoping they can run on by this time or J-Mac B uh, is positive early and can sort of sit three or four pairs off the fence. I think that that will be the ideal spot um, as long as he doesn't get too far off Rachel King um, on theory. Um, I'm keen to play Hilo in the last. I just mentioned um, the sectionals there uh, last start as well. Six to the four, 11-15, four to the two, 11 flat, and two um, the 200 to home was 11-10. That's just sustained speed. Very, very close sectionals. Um, in time, I just think that's absolutely outstanding for a horse first up. Should improve hugely second up. So high-low in the last for me. What did you make of, I hope you don't uh, you know, catch you out here a bit, but there's one up the top there, Handle the Truth, um, on a on a cosy path. Uh, maybe not quite at the level of these two Godolphin Gallifers, but $12 currently handled the truth. What did you make of it? Big weight. Yeah, I think the weight uh, is the slight issue. It does get the claim, though, with Sherry. Um you can't knock him at all. Look at his first up record, uh, six starts for four wins. Um, and I probably one of the things key in this spring that I've probably learnt myself is not to overplay that statement of uh, not wound up for a grand final, uh, won't be ready here, going to be peaking on, on race day, especially with these sprinting trips. I think you want your horse in the best form it can be, the, the runs leading in. They always sort of leave that 5% left for uh, grand final day, but... He's probably going to go into the cosy um, second up. So you want to be in cracking form first up at least. You don't want to really have a sort of average run hoping for him to peak. So no knock at all. Um, 60 kilos, probably the slight crew for me. Um, 10 starts at the distance for five wins. And like I said, six starts for four wins first up. Can't knock him at all. At the price, um, he's going to get back and run on, um, but can't knock at all. Righto, beautiful. So two bets for you uh, at Randwick, ra- uh, race five, Hungry Heart, race nine, Hilo. And you're right there, That those two Godolphin pair, they're right similar in the market. Hilo currently three bucks, a theory 310. So literally almost nothing between them. It should be a great race to finish off the day. Moving on to the second, uh, what is the second group one of the day? Uh, and you, and you, we're going to go through a bit of a preview here. It's the group one. Tab Epsom over the mile. Uh, a scratching early of Colding comes out the top weight and the one at the very bottom just thinking also out. So it gives uh, Van a run possibly. 
Now, going to go through a bit of a preview and then your uh, $100 Group 1 challenge as well at the end. Talk us through how you've found the Epsom. Yeah, I thought it was a very, very hard race to try to dissect, especially with the barriers. Uh, probably the, the most, of the, most of the horses in the top end of the market, uh, the ones punters wanted to be on, all drew terribly. Imaging, 19. Vanagirl, 15. Funstar, 18. Probabil, 17. Um, they're probably the only one that fared the best out of them was Star of the Seas, but you could say Barrier One's probably um, half a negative for that horse who wants clear air and has been strung up and held up in all the runs. Um, so looking at the map, there doesn't look to be overly too much speed. I think re- re- Reloaded might go forward with uh, Ronadini. Um, uh, Mr. Seawolf, so will kick up, so will Brandenburg. I think you can sort of bank on it to be a fast tempo, especially in these big field group ones. I don't think um, you've got the smart jockeys in sitting there. They're not going to let these leaders get it all all on their own out front. You're going to see that nice three-wide line. Um, like I said, I found it very hard to land on a horse I was keen to back, but I have to stick with Probabil. Um, that first up run put the riding on the wall. This prep absolutely flew home. I think half of Australia put um, her in the black book. I think the win last start had huge merit. Uh, they absolutely crawled in that race when she sat in the 1-1. One, one. She was still able to kick off that speed and show that turn of foot off a slow speed. Um, that can only be um, enhanced off a fast speed, big field. I'm um, just hoping the track holds up and we can see sort of those horses flashing home down the outside. So probably on top for me. The big, big watch for mine, uh, if she was able to draw a barrier, I probably would have had her on top, is Vanna Girl. Um, just go back and watch her last start, last 100 metres, look to go nowhere in the straight. Then the last 100 metres, she uh, turned on and kicked home well to run. I think it was the second fastest 200 of that race. Uh, trial in between now, which was very nice, and um, comes here 1,600 metres at a nice price. So probably for me and Vanna Girl. So uh, group one challenge-wise, I will be playing that $90 on Probabil and $10 on Vanna Girl. Uh, what were your bets, mate? Yeah, that that looks that looks good. I I know that the trainer of um, of Probabil, uh, Jamie Richards, came out after the barrier draw and said he was devastated with that wide draw, but he's going to have to make do. Obviously, you've got McAvoy on, so that does always help. Uh, down the bottom there, Vanna Girl, 50, currently sixteen bucks. That's a good little saver. I like the push for her, and you look at her form line; it reads very well. Uh, in her past, I think what is it, five runs, four wins, and a ninth. Um, so really good chance there. My group one challenge bets for this race, I'm having four cracks, all at even stake, all to make a profit. I'm going 25 star of the seas. I agree with you. I think barrier one is a, is a serious negative. I've, I've also, do you know why Clippo's gone on to you long Prince and off star of the seas? Do you know what the go is there? Uh, no, I don't. I think that's a big question a lot of punters were asking. The only thing I can sort of see in that is maybe J-Mac had the choices of the Waller horses. Mm. Uh, obviously couldn't get a weight on Fun Star, so I'm guessing maybe, um, don't quote me on it, but maybe he had the choices um, of the horses he wanted. But it's weird that Nash went on Star of the Seas. You'd think J-Mac would have jumped on Star of the Seas instead of imaging. So couldn't mm. tell you there, mate. I might have to do a little bit of research after tonight's app. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's an interesting one. I'd love to know. So 25 Star of the Seas, 25 Imaging, uh, 25 Wild Planet, who I've got a, still a big opinion of. I'm, I'm not convinced he's this level, but I can't let him go around without mine. Uh, and 25 
Probabil as well. So they're all to make a profit if any of them win $100 total spend, if my maths is correct. Now, moving on to the uh, third and final, but no lesser than the others, Group 1 Metropolitan, um, over 2,400 metres. A few exciting uh, talents lining up for Australian bloodstock. Um, a few early scratchings here as well. So we've got uh, Shared Ambition comes out. Lord Belvedere comes out to run down at Flemington. Uh, and that's all for the moment. So, yeah, a few, few good chances in this race. I think it's it's more wide open maybe than the market would suggest. I'm not sure if 270 for Mugger 2 is a bet, but you'll explain for us. How did you find it? Yeah, another cracking race, um, especially with these stayers. It's sort of picking the horse that's going to improve the most over their grand final. Um, completely different to spring races where they put the riding on the wall normally leading to to the race, winning well. These sort of horses uh, get better and better, obviously, as they step out and trip. Uh, fascinating race. Uh, if you have a look on paper, it doesn't look to be too much speed. Um, and in probably comparison with the Epson, uh, with a staying race over 2,400, I don't think um, jockeys will put the pressure on and run this at a fast tempo. So I think you can take it on as an average tempo. Um, Hush Rider is the one that stands out early for mine. Uh, I really want to be on Mugger too. If there was an ounce of rain, um, he would have been a bet for sure. Absolutely outstanding uh, run last start. Um, Savage the line. you got to love a turn of foot and a stay like that. But the dry track, rock hard dry track is a slight query. I think Chris Lee's coming out before that New South Wales, uh, New South Wales Newcastle Cup and said that um, the, the option to be scratched, obviously, if it was too dry. Um I anticipate by race eight Saturday, it's going to be an absolute good three. So that's my slight query. Hus Rider, cracking form. There was a weird run first up at Wyong, got shuffled a long way back during the run and then found again and overtook the horses that he got shuffled back against. The last start was only 1.5 lengths off Mugger 2. Um, Mugger 2 is going to be, say, that three, four lengths off Hush Rider. Uh, can Lee dictate out in front and is an absolute dry tracker. I think his record um, is a set exceptional on the dry track 10 starts three wins uh two seconds and two thirds that's what that's what you want to be looking for um saturday another couple i'll make mention of Brigham rocks has been outstanding this prep probably a touch of overs just a draw is a slight query um horses like zabrowski can improve for sure i know um i read this week david gately gave that horse a big push um saying he was in the wrong track wrong part of the track last start um Angel of Truths, another that probably needs a needs a wetter track, but um, I'm happy to sit on um, Hush Rider um, in the Group One Metro. Um, the way I'll be playing it through our Group One Challenge will be a hundred dollars on Hush Rider. No mucking around, mate. The whole hungy on Hush Rider currently six fifty. Um, can't agree more with what you said. If there was rain around. Uh, Mugger two would be a bet, but I'd be concerned that if there was rain around, it would be even shorter than it is now. I, I, even if there was rain around, I'd want that kind of 270 to 3 mark just because it's a group one with a near capacity field. You can't be sending them around at that price unless, you know, you're talking about a Winx or a, or a Maccabi Diva or, or a Hartnell or something outstanding. And not to say that Mugatu won't get to the level of a top-level stayer, but I just think 270 um, is a bit of playing with fire at the moment. The way I'm going to go... For the Group 1 challenge is I'm plonking $100 on something as well, but it's not uh, Hush Rider. It's the one above it in Brimham Rocks. So as you said, the barrier, I think, is the concern. I thought 
eight dollars is is definitely fair enough. The fact that I think they may go slow or there doesn't seem like a whole lot of early speed out of the barriers might just enable Brenton to kind of give him a bit of a dig and be a bit more positive and and fingers crossed he can just cross and slot in maybe midfield or somewhere above with that lack of early speed in the race. His runs, as you said, this prep have been great. I've always had a big opinion of him. Uh, Whether or not he's not the biggest winner, I remember there was a time back a few seasons ago down in Melbourne where he just and Sydney where he just kept running second and second and second all the time. He doesn't win out of turn, um, but with 53.5 kilos, Brenton Abdullah takes the ride. A bit of positivity out of the barriers. If you can settle midfield with cover, um, I'm happy to have a crack at the $18, bucks and, uh, the $8, sorry. And you know that his best runs come on top of the ground as well. So the dry track uh, by this stage hopefully won't be a problem. So that is, yeah, they're my thoughts on on the Metro Group Metropolitan Group One. Yeah, I think you're 100 right. Brim Rocks has probably been one of the better closers leading into that race. Outstanding um, run last start, so definitely can't knock that horse at all. Like you said, hopefully um, Abdullah can be a little bit positive out of the barriers early. Um, we'll move on um, to the fourth. Group one of the day, and we'll have a little look at Flemington. Uh, we'll get the group one out of the way first, get our thoughts on that, and then we'll move into your bets. Um, we're racing down the straight. Uh, group one, Turnbull Stakes Day, um, currently rated a good four, and the rail is out in the seven-metre position. Um, how did you find the meeting overall, mate? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a good meeting. I love Group 1 racing at Flemington. Um, you know it's always going to be a, a high-class meeting when they come back to headquarters for Group 1. Good four, fine weather around, rail seven metres. Hopefully, I think uh, it will still play fair. When you get the rail out this far at Flemington, it doesn't seem to impact as much as it does at other tracks, um, like Caulfield or the Valley, for example. Um, so rail out seven, I think it should be a great meeting. And finally, some 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 good and sunny weather. I think it's supposed to be hot in Melbourne on Saturday as well. Um, so, yeah, it looks really good. The Group 1 Turnbull uh, comes up a bit later in the card, over 2,000 metres. A bit of history here. It's a great race when you go through the past winners. Winks is a dual winner in 2017 and 2018. Kings Will Dream uh, won it last year and he's coming back for another shot again and and really isn't actually that far away from them at all, regardless of uh, what the market might suggest. Uh, it's always been a good kind of Cox Plate Caulfield Cup lead-up race uh, and there's some real big names down the list of winners as well. You've got horses like Northerly, Sunline, Maccabi Diva, Preferment, Hartnell. So when you look at those past winners and you throw Winks and Kingswell Dream into that mix, you sh- it shows that uh, it, it takes a really, really top-class horse uh, to come out and win the Group 1 Turnbull. So I'm going to go through a few runners that are well in the market and that have got a chance, and we'll start with obviously the one that won last year, Kingswell Dream, horse number two. Thought he was really good two starts back, uh, and then last start just got taken off by the horse who broke down from WA. The name escapes me at the moment. Just kind of when it broke down early in the race, threw it off its pattern, forced it further back in the field than it maybe would have liked to have been uh, and still ran home really strongly. So I think it can atone uh, here off the back of that slight forgive run. It maps uh, for a really similar run again from barrier eight, just kind of behind midfield, one out with coveries where I've got it. So uh, although it's going around at a double-figure price, I'd suggest that out of all the roughies in this race, Kings will dream. If you're looking for a roughie, this this would have to be your pick. I don't think it's out of it at all, and he's proven to be able to win 
uh, this kind of race. The three surprise baby, very good fresh last start over the mile behind Humidor at Mooney Valley. I thought that was an excellent, excellent return. Uh, it's been working really strongly in between that run leading into this. Craig Williams does a great job of posting uh, all the work he does on Surprise Baby. A video went up during the week of him working at at Horsham with the GoPro footage, um, and it looked really strong. I think I think Surprise Baby's flying. Obviously, its grand final is going to be the Melbourne Cup, um, but with a really soft run from Barrier 1 and any luck, uh, Surprise Baby's 100% in this race uh, over the 2,000 metres, and I think actually will take some beating if it gets the splits. The six Master of Wine was much improved last start in the Maccabi Diva. Um, was only two lengths off the winner. Had a pretty good run, but it was just more so the fact that uh, it was so disappointing first up in, in Sydney. So to come out down to Melbourne and, and run much, much better in the Group 1 Maccabi Diva was a real promising tick. Out to 2,000 metres now, third up. I think that's perfect. Could really be ready to peak here. Uh, six goes at the trip for two wins and two seconds. It's got a great record. Uh, and looking at the map here from Barrier 4, I think it's its leaders back. Uh, gets a lovely card into the race. And, and if it's good enough, it, it will be there to win and definitely, definitely will figure in the finish. The 7 key of Leagrant, sorry. First up here. Uh, one run this year was for a ticket into the Melbourne Cup. It just got beaten by Ocean X, um, who also lines up in the race here. The grand final, obviously, for King of Leagrant is the Melbourne Cup. It'll get back, I think, from Barrier 14. It'll probably be with Ocean X towards the rear. Um, and it's not out of running a strong 2,000 metres fresh, but I just don't think it's going to be fully wound up enough yet um, to be beating some of these that have already had a few runs under their belt. But uh, if you like it for the Melbourne Cup, you might want to back at Futures before this race because I think it'll be a bit of an eye-catcher getting home uh, at the finish. The nine very elegant come up favourite here. Uh, in the market this week. It's actually my lay of the day. I think it's way too short at its current price. Don't get me wrong, it was an outstanding winner. Two starts back fresh in the Winx stakes. Um, that was a huge run, wide no cover, and just kept fighting, really tenacious to get up and win uh, in that race. Second up then, last start, I thought it really had every single chance in the George Main. That was over a mile. It couldn't pick them up. Um, and, and that, was, that wasn't that was an overly big field as well. I thought it really had every chance to win that and stamp its authority, and it couldn't do it. I think the concern for Very Elegant is the dry track at this top level. Uh, and, and with the hot weather and lack of rain at Flemington this week, it's going to be a dry track by the time this race rolls around. Uh, with the sting, If it was a soft five, soft six, because you know it likes that sting out of the ground, I think it's, it, was, it would almost be immoral. But just I really have reservations of it running uh, it's top race on top of the ground at this Group 1 level. It's got to turn around that losing margin from last start. I think obviously the 2,000 metres will help it, but just at the price and with the concerns on the dry ground, I'm I'm sticking clear of very, very elegant, making it my lay of the day. The 12 Finch, uh, it'll go forward. It was good last start, fresh behind Mr. Seawolf in the Chelmsford, down to Melbourne, out to 2,000 metres. It'll roll across and lead. If there is any kind of leader bias with that rail out, then Finch is maybe one that would definitely start to shorten up. The weirdest runner of the race for mine, and I think for a lot of people out there, is Superstorm, the 14. It's had a kind of a, a strange prep so far. It wasn't it wasn't overly impressive first up at 1,100 metres. It then went to 1,400 metres and got done. Third up now out to 2,000. 
I, I, I can't see how it's any value at its current price of around that seven fifty eight dollar mark. I, I can't see how anyone could possibly take take that price stepping from a fourteen hundred meter journey uh, out to two thousand. That that blows my mind. I'm happy to be against Superstorm as well. Talking of the speed quickly, I think Finch leads Django Freeman up there as well. Harlem probably leads up the three wide line. Actau and Master of Wine sitting behind that leading pair. Back in the field, Ocean X, King of Legrants. Uh, Superstorm, I would also suggest, goes backwards, as is kind of the norm um, with the Bob Peters' runners, unless they change tactics. So that's the speed. I think it just should be evenly run, no crazy tempo or no slackening. Uh, and that's my thoughts. My selections here, if I were to have a bet, I'd go three to beat six, nine, and two. I'm keen on Surprise Baby. As I said, thought it was a great run fresh um, and should be really in this. The six Master of Wine, always had a soft spot. Think it bounces back. Two, Kings Will Dream, as I said, best roughy and nine, very elegant. Um, Keen to kind of stick away from. My $100 Group 1 Challenge here in Melbourne, I've gone 40 on Surprise Baby, 40 Master of Wine, and I'm having a little $10 Quinella just like you did a few weeks ago. That paid off for you, so I thought it might be able to pay off for me as well. How did you find this Group 1 in Melbourne? Yeah, cracking race. Probably uh, out of the uh, four Group 1s, this is probably my favourite um, to sort of sit down and dissect and watch. Um, you got different form lines from both states. you got a horse who uh, was very disappointing in Master Ryan first up. Then you got the complete opposite with Very Elegant, who was absolutely outstanding first up. Throwing the likes of Surprise Baby, last year's winner, Kings of Dream, and last year's Melbourne Cup winner, Bound Declare. I think it's a cracking, cracking race. Interesting point you make with Very Elegant. I think J-Mac come out uh, after last start defeat and said she's uh, a very big free-flowing horse. Um, she doesn't like to be muddled up inside of horses. He said he'd much prefer to have a four or five wide run in a race on her where she can get into her rhythm uh, glide along and do her own thing out there compared to being stuck on a rail where she sort of has to stop start uh, in between horses and the dry track like you said I think it's D-Day for the dry track for her uh, if you're keen on the form I wouldn't knock you at all but what I would say is if she can't get the job done there Saturday on a dry track or run well um, I think you can pen her sort of on those dry tracks she could be an absolute wet tracker um the horse I wanted to be on is Master of Wine. Um, great improvement. Second up, uh, like you said, fierce impact form and Russian Camelot form looks to be very nice. Um, and also, um, the barrier scares me, but surprise, baby, I've got a soft spot for that horse as well. And like all the reason you mentioned before, um, I'm happy to be on both of them. So my $100 play will be 50 on surprise, baby. Um around that 480 at the moment with play up and 50 on master of wine at that 850 quote. So they're my two bets in the group one Turnbull. Um, we'll move on now to your two bets on the program outside of the group one. Um, the first one comes up nice and early in the day and um, hopefully can get us a little kitty to start off um, race one. Who are we, who are we going with? Yeah, I'm back on that get the cash early rhetoric. I was on it a few weeks ago and I couldn't do it. So then I changed. Maybe we can get the cash late. That didn't work. I'm going back to get the cash early. I can't believe I ever turned away from it. It's always the way we got to play here at the close of the course. Okay. We're going to go race one, number one, General Bow. It's the Maribyrnong 
trial stakes uh, for the two-year-olds. Very, very exciting time of year to see all the new crop step out here. Um, and I cannot believe we're getting above even money for General Bow. I think it's a dead set certainty. Uh, now, first up on debut last start down the straight, um, it, it, it was it gave the earmarks of a serious horse. He jumped from the outside alley. Uh, it led up the field, and when it was slipped some rained by Jamie Card around that 300 mark, he put a space on the opposition really, really quickly. Never, ever shown the whip. The whole win was under hands and heels. I think that just made it all the more impressive. That was over 900 metres. His last 600-metre sectional was 33.13. That's super quick. Keep in mind he's able to do that on debut and without even being fully tested. So really think he's a he's a good horse in the making, General Bow. Perfectly drawn in the middle here. He can settle up on speed. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're going to want to go to the grandstand side or the inside or down the middle. I don't think it matters. That perfect middle draw will enable him to go uh, wherever the best ground is or wherever the track is playing best. Uh, I think although some of the debutants have, have been impressive in jump outs, General Bow's got the race experience. He's got the experience down the straight uh, in race conditions, and he just 100% has some serious above average ability. I've got him marked um, shorter than even money. So currently around that $2.50 mark, I think he's one you've got to be taking. I'll mention quickly just a few others. Naples, uh, of all the Godolphin runners on the on in this race, was clearly the best at the jump outs, was in a heat that was run uh, a second quicker than Cloudy's heat was, which was also down the straight. Um, the concern for me is, and, and again, it's going to seem like I'm potting Willie Pike here. I'm not. I'm just saying that there's three good dolphin horses here. Damien Oliver takes the ride on the one I thought personally out of the three was the most underwhelming at the jump outs. But you would have had to have assumed that he would have top choice for this stable. And the fact that he chose that one just is kind of a bit of a push. I wouldn't sus- suspect Pikey to jump on a Godolphin horse. It's no knock. I just if you look at jockeys and who they're riding for, that it's a bit of a weird one that Damien Oliver's chosen integrating. Um, but yeah, look, Naples was really impressive. Fake Love, likewise, for the Marin Eustace Camp, Zara gets on board. It was impressive. Excella Bella had a trial down in Sydney that it won. Um, and showed pretty good fight to kind of uh, keep going and win the trial under some urgings when it looked like it could have been headed. Um, maybe enough already for Levi Kavanagh at 26 can be a small bet, but, yeah, really keen General Bow here in the first. Yeah, like you said there, you make a very good point, especially with these two-year-olds, uh, race day experience, and that experience at the actual track down the Flemington Strait, um, you can't sort of buy that. So that's a great lead-off for punters. Uh, with these races, a horse that's there, done it there before and done it um, as well as you you stated, um, you can't knock it at all. That, that seems like a great way to kick off the day. Uh, very exciting with these two-year-olds. You've got the breeders and the gym crack in Sydney as well. We'll move on to your second bet. Comes up in race four. Um, I was very excited when I saw you send the message through that this was one of your bets Saturday, probably one of my favourite horses, and I've... Um, had a little go at her at the $35 in the Tab Everest. Um, talk us through your bet in race four. Yep, so the bet in race four, obviously, is uh, Tafani. Really keen to be with her in this Group 2 Gilgai Stakes. Coming out of the same uh, form line as a number of key rivals that she lines up against here. So last start fresh, she finished third behind Zutori in the Group 2 Bobby Lewis. 
that was at this track and distance, but was only beaten um, under half a length on official margins in, in what was a very close go to the line. It was a blanket finish. There was about five of the minute, uh, and I thought her run was was full of merit. Comes here now second up. She's proven to run much better uh, at this stage of her prep as her record shows. Three starts second up for two wins. Uh, and what got me for this race is the way that she's been treated at the weights. It's it's seriously, you kind of had to double take when you look at the weight uh, and the weight rises and the weight falls from last start to, to really figure out what's going on. So last start first up in the Bobby Lewis, she ran with 58 kilos uh, and she gets that again here, even though she was only beaten 0.3 lengths. You've then got to look at the other uh, competitors in the race. So, so Zutori, who won that race, rises three kilos to 59. The Inevitable, who ran fourth but was only beaten 0.1 of a length behind Tafani, goes up three and a half kilos into this race. So it's a minimum three kilo weight swing for uh, Tafani into this event, same track and distance and same conditions. It's unbelievable. I couldn't – it's like the handicap is dead set missed and just (laughs) has has completely overlooked us. So unbelievable at the weights. Santa Ana Lane's obviously that other one who's in the market. As we said earlier in the podcast, I thought the jump outs of Santa Ana Lane's only been uh, okay. Uh, and with Tefane stripping fitter, won't have any issue finding the back of a horse from Barrier 4. She should get a lovely cut down the straight and be presented at the right time. And as you mentioned, with that Everest slot uh, already sewn up, uh, she's she's racing for Yulong Investments, I'm pretty sure. So with that slot sewn up, I'm pretty sure she wants to come out here and, and really stamp her uh, authority and make a statement that she can be competitive in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, with with that weight thing was the biggest tick for me. Race four, number four, Tafani. Happy to play at the $3. Yeah, perfect. Currently around that $3 quote. Uh, like you mentioned, Santa Elaine uh, always improves that second up. So he'll if he's back to his best, I guess um, we'll see that flashing light late. Just for a question for my own and probably for many punters, what price have you got to Farney Mark? Like two ninety uh, after you sort of outlay all of those comments seems like a very nice backable price. Uh, even if you can get sort of a three ten, three twenty price, what price have you got her marked? Two seventy five is the price on on my sheet that I've got her marked. So around, and I would I would take that as well. If she was if she was on a price, I'd take it as well. I just think. You look at them, as I said, you look at the main competitors, Zutori, the inevitable, um, are both terrible at the weights here. And everyone, every Tafani, the inevitable, Zutori, they're all second up. So while Zutori and the inevitable will improve, so will Tafani. Um, so yeah, two around that 260 on my thing. Kementari, uh, <laughs> you couldn't pay me to put money on Kementari, really, let's be honest. Uh, just. <laughs> One of those money munches that goes around. Dollar for dollar is one that I had marked overs. Dollar for dollar uh, is a, is a double figure quote at the moment. Maybe around that thirteen dollar mark or so. I had her at ten. So if you're looking for a saver, maybe dollar for dollar uh, could be the one you look at. But yeah, Tofani over the odds still for mine, and I'm happy to play. All right, mate, that wraps up your two bets, uh, including our Group 1 um, bets in the Turnbull. We'll just get you run through your two bets one more time for, so the punters can get pen and paper. Uh, start us off in the first one. Yep, that's it. Race 1, number 1, General Bow. If you're looking for a bet of the spring, I think this is it. That's a you know always a big call on a two-year-old, but I just can't see how anything beats it here. 
barring bad luck at wins. Race four, number four. So a good little pair there. Race one, number one. Race four, number four. Uh, Tafani in the Gilgai. And then uh, Surprise Baby and Master of Wine in the Group 1 Turnbull. Now, mate, do you have a get-out stakes bet this week? I took punters to Singapore last week with CC Wong at some big odds, and he ran fourth, which was really devastating. I had him each way, uh, but he ran fourth. Don't know if anyone followed me in. I doubt they did, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, have you got have you got a little get-out play this, this, this Saturday, apart from, obviously, your bet on high-low? Um, there could possibly be something at Newcastle. I'm just waiting... Uh... For the markets to sort of drop in that race, um, but I'll be playing high low, like I said in the last. So that will probably go down as my get out stakes. Um, it's a bit thin this week. Um, I might just leave it to you, mate. I like those overseas bets. I did take note of the bet and I did check it out for you. I was going to send a message, but I thought I just I just better leave it fourth place. But um, have you got one for the punters this week, mate? Yep, I do, I do. I'm taking it back to uh, where I got my first ever Get Out Stakes victory when we were still doing um, our run-throughs before we, we came live. I've gone back to Eagle Farm. Race nine, number eight, Kadar. Gets a really good weight swing on the favourite, uh, who was also the last start winner, seeing is believing. They come out of the same race. Gets a really good weight swing on that horse now. Uh, should get a really soft run from barrier one. Can be handier than it was last start. He's obviously going to need the splits uh, when the time comes getting off the fence because it's it's likely going to be leaders back, maybe at worst three pairs back the fence. Um, but with any splits, I think it gets out. 1,800 metres now is perfect. Uh, I think it turns the tables on seeing is believing who has to rise in weight and just looks a bit too short. So race nine, Eagle Farm, number eight, Kadar for me in the get out. That wraps up another huge episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast. Uh, some really good Group 1 action coming up this weekend, as we said. Dino, mate, best of luck on the punt. May the punting gods be with you. There's four Group 1 races coming up. Uh, I don't know where you'll be at home or at the pub or on the source. I know I will be down at the Sheaf on Saturday. Um, I'm also covering Mertoa for Best Bet, so you can tune into RSN Spring Carnival Channel if you want to hear my thoughts on Mertoa. But best of luck, Dino, and um, I'll speak to you and all the punters next week. Enjoy, mate. Enjoy punters. Uh, Have a good weekend and enjoy your long weekend too. Stay safe. We'll chat next week.